Hello, and welcome to The Bite, Hope Brooklyn's weekly podcast for bite-sized spiritual thoughts to inspire you as you center your life around God's great story. Thanks so much for listening. Matthew eight twenty-eight through 34. When he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before our appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, If you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off, went into the town, and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. Bit of a strange and dark story from Matthew's Gospel today, and it seems to feel especially dark given its brevity, since this is a story also told in the accounts under Mark and Luke's names, and in those other two Gospels, the accounts read almost exactly identical. But Matthew's version takes a bit of a departure, or rather, it seems to omit a lot of interesting details, which we'll get into here in a minute. I'm a big fan of westerns, and uh, this whole scenario feels a little bit like a western to me. A graveyard on the outskirts of town? It's the perfect place for a showdown. Even the name of the region, the Gadarenes, it sounds pretty cool. These two wild men emerge, probably bearded and hairy with only rags for clothes hanging off their sinewy and leathery physiques, like so many spaghetti western outlaws, rough and tumble and unkempt. And then we have Jesus sidling up, his reputation with these demons preceding him. And much like Clint Eastwood's iconic man with no name, Jesus glares out from beneath a brow furrowed by the hot sun and with steely eyes utters one word, go. Probably after throwing his poncho over one shoulder and tipping his hat up to reveal more of his shining face. Why Matthew never pointed out if Jesus asked them, do you feel lucky, we'll never know, an issue lost in translation, to be sure. But, all joking aside, it, it makes for a kind of a troubling narrative at first glance. An initial reading provokes a lot of questions, most of which we can't get into in this short amount of time. But why does Jesus grant the request of the demons by sending them into the herd of pigs instead of wherever else you send demons when they exit a person? And why does Jesus' granting of these demons' request result in the obliteration of some poor guy's livelihood? The other two gospel accounts say that around 2,000 pigs stampede down the ravine into the lake, which is a horrifying image to think about. But uh, the one that hits me the most is the townspeople's response. That these men being freed of this horrible thing, a demon possession, it doesn't warm the people of the Gadarenes to, uh, to who this stranger might be or what he has to say. Are they simply superstitious and don't want this sorcerer in their midst? Who knows what kind of other strange powers for good or for ill he might have up his sleeve? Maybe the people of the Gadarenes are just like any of us when we see something grand something mysterious, or something that creates cognitive dissonance. It evokes a sense of terror. One minute, there are these two guys who are the town crazies, and not only that, Mark's and Luke's Gospels give us a little more detail. They say that these dudes are also super strong. People have tried to put them in chains and irons and shackles, but nothing can contain them. They also howl and screech all through the night and cut themselves with sharp objects, and they live in a graveyard for crying out loud. These are some creepy characters. This is the picture we have one minute, and the next 
We have a lake bobbing with dead pigs and two guys barely recognizable from the two crazies we met earlier in the story. Completely transformed, cleaned up, and in their right minds. More details that Matthew doesn't give us in this specific account. But let's get back to our western. So if, if you had a lone ranger like this ride into town and vanquish the powers of darkness that held these two characters hostage, again, if you're in a western... It seems that the townsfolk plead with this powerful stranger to stay and continue to protect them from outside marauders and outlaws. And after hearing the pleas of the good folk of the Gadarenes, the stranger thanks them for a glass of cool water and a night's stay at the cozy inn on the corner, but regrets to inform them that he has to be on his way at dawn the next day. But that's not the way it goes. The townsfolk don't beg Jesus to stay. They beg him to leave. Why? After what he just did? Well, here's what I'd venture. If the human heart and condition today are anything similar to what they were a couple thousand years ago, I would say that these people were terrified. They were terrified that this miracle worker changed something significant in their reality. And if he stuck around, he might just change more. Not only that, there were a couple guys who lost their whole herd of pigs to that Uh, so that two other guys could live free from darkness. And if this magician stayed around, who knows what else they'd have to lose or be asked to give up. These townsfolk had a hard time getting past the immediately physical, what was right in front of them. A couple thousand drowned pigs on their hands, the price to free two men from demonic bondage, which seems like, I don't know, pretty fair trade-off, I guess. But we still have a lake full of dead farm animals. And that's kind of a moral dilemma I don't totally understand either, but I digress. But what else might they be asked to give up if they listen to what this mysterious miracle worker has to say? Jesus was not only a threat to a couple of their livelihoods, I think he posed a threat to their way of life as well. I'm guessing they sensed that this stranger in their midst would mean a complete transformation of their whole way of life that they'd just gotten a taste of with these two, until recently, possessed guys. And they weren't ready for that. In fact, the whole idea really freaked them out, I bet. Because that's what Jesus does. He comes in and turns everything upside down with those two words of invitation. Follow me. And then the silence of him waiting for our response. And that's terrifying. I think that's why... Most times, humans encounter the divine in the biblical narrative. They have to be told to not freak out. Don't be afraid. This kind of reminds me of the way in which we left Minneapolis to move to New York City. And the fact that it took me a really long time to get on board. Not Steph. She's way more brave and adventurous than I am. But I was terrified. And it's because of what I was being asked to give up with stepping into the unknown. A career and livelihood, a community, family, comfort a sense of place and mission, all good things. But sometimes that's what it takes to step into the unknown. I eventually came around to it, of course, and said yes, but I I still fought and struggled and doubted all along the way. But amidst all that, in the loss and confusion and not knowing why exactly we were doing all this, I could feel Jesus meeting me and meeting us and doing something mysterious, albeit terrifying. I'm bad at that, but hopefully I'm learning and learning to surrender and to open my hands a little bit more. So what will our response be when Jesus 
shows up at a place in our lives that we're not ready to give up? Will we drive him out with our fear? Or will we hear what he has to say at the risk of utter transformation? Let's pray. Father, I don't pretend to know what you're always asking of me and asking of us. But I ask you for the courage to take the step. For the boldness to open my hands and surrender what I couldn't even control in the first place. And to respond and to say, yes, I will follow. Amidst the uncertainty, amidst the doubt, amidst the not knowing what's going on or why this is happening, yes, I will follow because I trust you. Lead us where you show up in our lives and ask us to to give up what we think we control. Give us courage. Give us courage in your strength that is made strong in our weakness. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of The Bite. To find out more about the mission and ministry of Hope Brooklyn and to subscribe to our other podcasts and lots more, visit us online at www.hopebrooklyn.org.